This episode of MBSing is proudly supported by Simplecast. Simplecast makes podcasting easy, affordable, and downright friendly. Use the promo code CHICAGO to get 50% off your first three months. Welcome to MBSing. I'm your host, Mary Beth Smith. My guest today is my dear friend, Mike Jando, and he talks to me about his love of and knowledge of immigrants. Both of Jando's parents immigrated to the U.S. before he was born, so he's able to speak to their experiences as far as he has gleaned information from them over the years and his own experience as a first-generation American. And it was a real joy for me to get to listen along to all of that. His wife, Bella, is also the child of immigrants, and their lives together have absolutely been shaped by the community around them and a great importance on family and that Assyrian community. It's a wonderful conversation, and I am delighted to share it with you. If you like this, you may like another show in the Chicago podcast co-op called Unlearned. It's a bi-weekly podcast focused on unlearning harmful narratives taught to us about blackness, womanhood, sexuality, and religion. I think it goes hand in hand with a lot of the things that we discuss in here in terms of how Jando's family's experiences as immigrants have shaped their lives and kind of political leanings now and how his own experience having lived in the U.S. his whole life has, you know, given him a a pretty different perspective from his parents, even just one generation removed. So I think those all go hand in hand and Like I said, I encourage you to, if you enjoy this conversation, seek out a show like Unlearned. If you would like to see a live show, I would encourage you to mark your calendars for March 10th. The Nerdalogs are having an album release show and party. It's at 1917 North Elston Street here in Chicago, and we mostly just want to play through this whole album in front of a live audience and get the excitement going for the release itself. You can buy a copy of the album at that show or online beginning March 9th. Pretty cool. Jando is so funny on so many tracks on that album, and I can't wait for it to be in people's hands. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy this conversation. And then uh, I went to my parents' house. My sister, I don't know if if you know this, she had a son last year, and she had another son a few months ago. No way! I think I did know that... You had a nephew like last year, yeah. but I wouldn't have known two yeah, in a row. Two in a row. And uh, the first, ev- like in my family, everyone loves the first one. Like always. And it doesn't matter who it is. Like in any family, any like. Uh, it was definitely the same situation. in my family. Yeah. Um, but I love, I love them both. But that second one is so chill. Really? Yeah. For Thanksgiving, we, um. Uh, we had like the table set up. We were at my sister's house. We all like you know how Thanksgiving it's like hectic, and finally you sit down to eat. And, like everyone's sitting down, and we're like eating, and we're like halfway through like our meal, and I'm like, 
where's Matthew? And we're like, we're, like I go like to look to see where he is, and he's just sitting in his like little like crib, oh like, my like God. mobile bassinet or whatever, yeah. and he's just like, what's up? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> like not a peep. Like he was there for like twenty minutes, oh unattended. Like gosh. he wasn't in any kind of like he wasn't gonna roll over. Anything, sure, of course, yeah. He was like, he's in, you know in like the yeah, yeah. sleeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was just chill. Oh just my like, gosh! I'm like that's crazy. That's awesome. I love this kid. This that's, kid is so, yeah. It's exactly the same with my brother's kids. Like. The first, you know, his first kid was the first grandkid in our family. And, like, it was, you know, every, like, their energy, the family's energy, everything was just, like, so much excitement surrounding it. And then when his little sister came along, it was like, oh, my gosh, she's great, too. She's adorable. To meet them and hang out with them is the same way. Yeah. It's the older one. It's, like, great. He's funny. He's smart. But he's a freaking handful. (laughs) (laughs) That's how it is, I guess. And his little sister is great and funny and smart and so chill <laughs> yeah. yeah it puts like it puts like a lot of pressure like on bella's side there are no boys yet oh wow she has, she's like one of four daughters and then her only sister that has a kid is a girl so like <laughs> it puts a lot of pressure on us if we have a boy like i i've always wanted i think just girls like i would love to have three girls oh, like that's my that's adorable yeah, i know i don't know why i've always wanted that and but I was like, well, I think we could like, like it'd be nice You're to have like, one boy. Well, maybe we should have a boy for my side of <laughs> yeah, the fam's exactly. sake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then it's like well, the discussion is do you have the boy if you had a choice, do you have the boy first mm-hmm. or do you have the boy last? Like, if you have the boy last, then he's a baby of the family. And like, I don't know, he's gonna be everyone's favorite because he's the baby of the family. Right. If you have the boy first, He's the first boy, and, then, uh-huh. and he's definitely the first yes, boy on that side of the family. It's just a lot of politics. Set the stage for everything. Yeah. That's Fortunately, so we fun. don't have the choice yeah. about, like, hasn't, that choice would kill us. Hasn't come up. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's true, too. It's like, once it does come up, yeah. do not get to say. Right, exactly. <laughs> Out of your hands. It is what it is. But also, it hasn't come up. It won't come up for a while. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is lovely already and folds nicely into what we'll discuss in the in the grand scheme of this conversation yeah Yeah. my guest today is mike jando and we're going to talk about uh immigrants and immigration and your experience uh with that uh so we already have been looking at both you and bella's like family structures yeah what what is your origin of, you know, interest, knowledge of this topic. Yeah, and I feel like the way I'm going to start this, like, feel like the story's been told on, like, four different, across four different Neurolog podcasts already. <laughs> but, like... Probably. I end up feeling that way through episodes of this, too. It's like, yeah. I'll tell a story on here that I know I've told <laughs> on a your stories and just be like, well, real fans will get the overlap. <laughs> They're going to love this. <laughs> this is for all you insiders out there. So, uh, yeah. my, my dad is from Syria. My mom from Iraq and they didn't know each other prior to meeting here which isn't super common I'm learning now isn't super common like a lot of people uh, I guess uh, immigrate together Mm -hmm. a lot of couples my mom uh, and the process I don't even know the whole process my mom's process I think was way more indirect than my dad's my mom like went from like 
Iraq to Egypt to like wow. England, Germany, Sweden. Like she hit up like six countries before landing uh, in the States. Do you think it's because it was Iraq specifically or do you think it was just like the nature of their two, you know, immigration processes? I think it's just, yeah, I think it's kind of just like a, she was going with her family. So gotcha. there's probably more to shuffle there. Yeah. Um, my dad was by himself. And, and just so, kind of like waiting for his number to come up. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so through just random uh, circumstance, they met here. And uh, that's when they, you know, obviously got married and had kids and had a family. How old were they when they immigrated? Uh, so they were both really young. Uh, they were in like, I want to say like 20s, early, early wow. 20s, like 21 at most. Wow. 22, yeah. And my dad, like, driving through, like, it's weird how you, you – you know your parents as a child. You know who they are as a parent. But you don't know who they are as a person that existed before you existed. Yes. You know what I mean? Of course. A thing that I have been thinking about and discovering more and more as I get older, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I never – I just go like, man, I didn't I didn't think about, you know, what went into my parents planning their wedding or whatever right. it is. Yeah. It's like – and it's, sometimes it's like just like – Super mundane stuff. Like I think it's like what is that? I think it's Goose Island. Is there like a Goose Island near Lincoln Square? There's uh-huh. like a, there's like a bar there, and my dad's like, oh yeah, we used to hang out here. It wasn't Goose Island before. It was like this. I'm like that's crazy. And like he talked about how they used to hang out at all these like uh, German restaurants in uh, Lincoln Square. Yeah. When it was like I guess way more German than it is now. Yeah. Uh, and it was just so funny. I'm like yeah, how do you yeah how do you know all these places? And like he would talk about all the jobs he had. Uh-huh. And he was like a partner in like a toy store that like a storefront toy store. No that way. That then turned into a grocery store that like yeah. And I'm like man that's you were a guy yeah. that did stuff. That's so funny. And to for it to all be in Chicago in the same area. Right. So directly one to one. And you have all of your own, you know, memories from Lincoln Square. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's like just like our lives are like mapped and like it's if you do if you take one of those like one of those like uh shots where they like time lapse over like you know when cars driving over a highway and you just see like their headlights and it becomes like a, a long stream of lights uh-huh. like I feel like our paths must have crossed and yeah. if, if my dad had left a trace I was walking a very similar trace but such a different circumstance yeah and like with everything up to your 20s having been spent here right as exactly. opposed to a completely different country right exactly yeah and like he just I, my dad was definitely cooler than than I was in his twenties to my twenties. He was a much cooler guy, <laughs> but like he did, like he had such a like. I think for me, we both had a very, uh, in a weird way, stereotypical like twenties upbringing. Okay, but two different stereotypes. I had the living with the parents, right? You know, like mooching out the parents, like just being a bum, and he had the. <laughs> Moving out, like, he had the college experience, you know what I mean, minus, like, going to college here. He did go to junior college, but, like, yeah, he, like, went out on his own, and he did his own thing, and made his own friends, and, like... So he was kind of already doing his own thing before he immigrated. Well, yeah, I mean, like, he he was doing it there, but he kind of hit the ground running here. Gotcha. And, like, that, the thought of that terrifies me. Yeah. Like, knowing maybe a friend, you know what I mean? 
bumming off, bumming off in the couch. whole country. <laughs> right, exactly. And then not even just the city where you live. Right, yeah. and your friend also has a very loose <laughs> grasp on what's going on. Right. in that country as well. It's not like it's not like he knows what's going on. And like, yeah. nope, you're both kind of just like figuring it out, winging it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, my dad told me. Uh, I'm sure I've said this story before. It's one of my favorites uh, about when his like he was basically roommates with a guy. And uh, his friend went grocery shopping, and when he, like, brought the groceries home, he's like, hey, I got some, like, canned tuna fish. And when my dad looked at the can, he's like, this is cat food. There are pictures, there were pictures of, like, cats That's on here. right. Like, and uh, uh, his, they, his friend was like, oh, whoops. Yeah. I don't know how to read I this language. I is, should yeah. learn. But, to, yeah, I mean, if it's just a can and it says tuna flavored right. and you can't dig in like two, it's you got see, pictures of fish on it. You see like, a picture of a fish, you're in the grocery store, your entire life you lived where there's no such thing as uh, cat gro- food. If yeah. you had a cat, they would eat the same they food They eat tuna fish. Ate. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and it's kind of happening now, too. I feel like cat food now is probably better than, like, whatever tuna fish I eat. Probably, and I also feel like pet ownership is becoming one of those things where it's like the new wave of parents, how parents can't just let their kids, like, you know, we swung in the complete opposite direction. It's kind of like what you said about you and your dad having completely different, like, 20s experiences. I feel like our generation, maybe even the generation before ours, is always going on about how, like, they weren't really parented, right. you know, and how their parents just kind of did their own thing. And now we're swinging into this age of like, <laughs> ultra all, it's all kids <laughs> all the time and they eat the best food. Yeah. And, and I feel like people are doing that with their pets too. Like yeah. they're just grilling up, you know, I, yeah, food I mean, that you feed to them. Right. Like that's, a, that's the thing. Like a, the focus has changed and it's been a lot more and it's weird because like that for my parents, like the thing that I always think about my parents is like they did that way too much. Like they're like I always imagine if I have kids, I'm going to try and be I, like the best thing for your kids is to also like be happy and do things for yourself and like you know give yourself space. My parents did not do that. I think really? the, the last movie we saw as a fa- that my parents saw in theaters that we saw as a family was Jurassic Park. Like I vividly, <laughs> I think me and my dad went to see Gladiator, and that was. It. But as a family, mom, dad, brother, sister, like a, like that was it. That was the last movie they saw in theaters. Uh, and it's not that they don't love movies. They love movies. They watch them all the time. Wow. See, that that is definitely the kicker, is if they're huge movie people and yeah. they truly just have foregone seeing things in theaters for the sake of like their life revolving around their kids, right. basically. Yeah. Wow. It's only now that I was like, you guys need to go on it. You guys... Like, I was able to convince them to go on, like, a vacation, and they went on a vacation, and they, I think they hated it now, because, like, they're older now, That's they like, don't want to do that not their life anymore, anymore right? Exactly. <laughs> they're not used to it. They're not used to having fun. <laughs> they're used to, like, now they take care of the grandkids, and they love it. Right. They're and that's, like, like the what happiest. they're there for. Right. That's so funny. Yeah, I mean, if enough time passes and your passions become something else. <laughs> right. I mean, that's it, you know what I mean? That is so funny to think about especially to think about how they probably like came here and like you know started getting into like hollywood films and stuff like that or or maybe even had seen a decent amount of hollywood films yeah 
my dad could tell you like the name of every actor and like every film. Like they watched. Like my mom's a huge Beatles fan. Like Beatles That's mania awesome. was not was uh, was not absent from Iraq at all. Like, yeah. She, so here, yeah. Yeah. Immediately, were, I'm just like, yeah, they came here and then they found out American culture. No, you idiot! <laughs> like we are pervasive. We are they a disease. Came here because like, they yeah, they, we are a disease, and we show people <laughs> cool shit, and we let them listen to like <laughs> rock and roll music, and they're like, yeah, I like, gotta yeah, get like to that. where people make that's, that. That's pretty. That's pretty. I like jeans. I enjoy wearing jeans. I enjoy listening to rock music. I think we're gonna go. I'm gonna go there where there's more of this stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's why people come here. Yeah, of course it is. And yeah, then, like the thing is, like a lot of this is, you know, obviously is in the politics and news of the day of like immigrants and all this stuff. But like people that the people that come here, at least in my experience, the people I've seen become the most rabid, patriotic people that you see, like. My mom and dad came here like they risked everything uh, to come here. They gave up everything to come here because they knew they knew what th- this country like could offer, and uh, they loved it. And they still do. You know what I mean? Like my parents, like I mean, they know there's layers to it, but they don't understand why anyone wouldn't stand for the flag. Like they truly like this is the greatest country in the world. Like we've seen, we've been somewhere else. Yeah. So you create like. <laughs> Like super Americans. Yeah. Just like. it's so it is so frustrating to think about how true that is and how so many people who would like claim to be the biggest patriots and like proponents of like you said, the same yeah. things you're talking about of of like standing for the flag and like only kind of understanding protests, uh would be the same people who would be like, get these immigrants out of here. Like, (laughs) (laughs) they don't, like, America's the best country. Like, to me, those two, like, the fact that those two thoughts can't live in the same space in some places is so baffling because it's like they came here because they love this country more than a lot of the people who even live here. (laughs) They, they, so, yeah, exactly. People were born here and don't like this country because, they're because they can't, you know. Right. What I mean? like, yeah, that's a good. My parents came from a country where that wasn't an option. You could not like your country, and they're like, yes. "We're going to leave here because we don't like it, and we want to be able to say so." Yeah, we're going to come to a country that's fantastic. And yeah. so, like, yeah, I. It's such an interesting and unique experience to be raised by people who, like, they love this country so much, but they're all they also still have that. Outsider perspective, right? They're also they'll always be like, "Man, Americans are dumb." Like they'll say that all the time. They're like, "Americans are so they're protesting because they were able to uh, be part of a peaceful transition of power where Hilarious. and the person they they like they didn't like and they can vote him out in four years if they don't like him." What idiots are these? <laughs> like their system worked. What would they prefer that the other guy? Like, take control of the military and prevent that from happening because we know what happens when that happens. It's that like, it's so funny. Yeah, it's so funny. They have their super patriots, but they also allow themselves and have the perspective of being like, but also Americans are stupid. <laughs> like, they have both. So funny. And like that, a lot of that has been, I feel like, transferred to their kids, to like me and to my brother and sister. It's so funny to see. 
it's so funny just to see how, like, we definitely have, uh, we definitely have the most American upbringing, you know, like, as American as apple pie, but also as American as uh, falafel. Uh, <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? like, that's lovely. It's yeah. just, that's still a super American thing. You can go to, like, chain restaurants and get the best falafel in the world. So true, man. I actually had that thought when you, at the very beginning of this conversation, mentioned Thanksgiving. Because I was like, oh, hell yeah, it's so cool they celebrate Thanksgiving. Even though I know that, like, at your table there's probably, like, Euro meat and yeah. like yeah, dude, okay. hummus. Yeah, so you definitely have hummus. You definitely have rice. You still have stuffing and turkey and cranberry sauce, macaroni and cheese, um, some sort of uh, in a Syrian it's called shidwa, but it's like a, a stew, like a tomato based stew. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You have all that stuff. It's like a mix of both. And I like, was gonna say like the definition of melting pot. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's like. Yeah, we'll take the stuff you let, that we like from what you guys do, but yeah. also... It's like, we're not a fan of rolls. <laughs> Give me uh, a nice flatbread. Right. <laughs> That's better. That's uh, so funny. That's yeah. delightful to me. Yeah, and it's like, I don't think anything of it now, and it's like, when just like thinking about like, hey, what should, what should I talk about on the show? Like, it's like, do I know, a, can I identify enough of the things that are unique to me that aren't necessarily something that I think people, like, I, like, I don't even know. I'm probably missing a whole bunch of things. Right. Um, yeah. Cause to you, when you mentioned Thanksgiving, yeah, it doesn't it didn't even think about it. Right. You know I mean? and that's one of the reasons I brought it up. It's yeah. like, I'm sure. To you, it's just like, yeah, we ate Thanksgiving dinner. But to, you know, someone who isn't a first-generation immigrant, they right. probably have, like, more basic colonial shit in there. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Yeah. And, every, and, you know, that's family traditions, like, from house to house, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but it's cool. I know they're probably, like, I know for a fact, because I've talked to people about it, that I have friends who, like, come from... Uh, like recently immigrated Italian families who will have like a ta- very traditional Italian dishes as right. a part of Thanksgiving dinners. And it's like, that is still so unique and not my experience at all. Like if somebody came in with, you know, a nice lasagna, <laughs> I'd be like, what are you doing? It's Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, Also, my mom makes the best lasagna. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, right. It's not like, it, it's just so, it's so normal to me mm-hmm. like having all these having all these things is just not it's not not normal it's not not uh the traditional way of doing things because it's the only way i know it and like living living with my mom and dad and my brother and sister well past like the age of 18 but that was never like uh i know i kind of said earlier like i was slumming it but that was never the feeling that was the expectation the expectation oh, yeah. is you live with your family till you get married and then you move out. Sure. And then eventually at some point one of the kids is going to take the, the parents back and that's how it works. Like that's that's always – like I lived about 10 minutes away from like two uncles, three aunts, my grandparents. Like always. And it your was like – Your whole life. Yeah. And, and each of their houses was my house. Like it was never like – there was never like a – I can't go stay there or I need to call first or right. it was just like, hey, mom, can you drop me off at uh, my grandparents? And then she'd be like, sure. And then we would just show up and I'd come and then I had a bed there and everything. Like it wasn't a question at all. And like 
It's just, and that's how it is. Like, even now, like I live 10 minutes away from my parents and 10 minutes away from Bella's parents. And if, if they're, if they were to move or if we were to move, there'd be a discussion of who would move to. Like, it's just right. like, well, wow. yeah, it's all, it's all one big extended family. And I know that's not true for like a lot of people. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. That's truly never been my experience. Yeah. I've, you know, never lived in the same city as any of my extended family. Yeah, that's, that blows my mind. Because, right. like, uh, yeah, like, we, like, it's just such a, it's, it's, like, it's so ingrained in us to, like, yeah, you you be with family because, like, family takes care of your kids. You know what I mean? Like, family takes care of you when you're sick. Like, yeah. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't. And that's what, that's what kind of makes the move that my parents is so much crazier, especially my dad, of just kind of like having to leave all that. Like his, the rest of his family eventually came. Yeah, I was going to um, ask about that, what that process was like for him. Yeah, I, I mean, he, uh, my dad's a super, uh, the, if you ever see that episode of Master of uh, None, I think, uh, with, uh, where Aziz talks about his parents and their yeah. experience, it's my favorite episode of TV. It's really, ever. really good. That was um, the first season. First season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like episode four. It's five, easily, season. I think that's the best episode of the first season. Yeah. Like, for sure. Oh, I love that episode. Yeah. It's so, it's so... And for it to be his actual parents in the <laughs> right? show is, yeah. like, so wild and cool. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing, like, my I feel like my, my dad's, uh, my dad is, uh, very similar to not Aziz's dad, but I, I can't remember the character's name, but his friend's dad. Yeah, and that like he's super. He doesn't talk about it a lot. Not for any. Not for any like uh, like PTSD reasons. It's just like this is the thing I did. It just wasn't else's life, right? Exactly. But I know it in must the same have been... way that you don't necessarily know about all the bars in Lincoln Square that your dad went to. Right. Exactly. Yeah. He, he, that's just like that. It's it's not remarkable to him. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like that's what I did, and to me, it's so remarkable. Right. That he did all this, and like, yeah, he came here alone. He had some friends, and that process, the community is so. The, like the Assyrian community at least is so kind of like not trusting of people who don't have um, big families like uh, and this is definitely something I talk about in another podcast but like when like the whole like uh, um, uh, engagement ceremony and marriage ceremony requires your family to come and kind of vouch on your behalf wow and if you don't have that if you don't have your mom and dad come say uh, my son will uh, provide for your daughter um, and you know, he's a good guy and he does this and he's done this and he's graduated school and all that stuff. If you don't have that, uh, there, there's no reason for, for the father of the bride to say, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. Wow. Yeah. My dad had to like kind of patchwork up some friends and be like, Hey, I need you guys to go do this for me. Oh play my this role. Gosh. Yeah. So kind of in the more traditional, you know, sense of what your wedding party is supposed to exist as right is like my understanding is that like that's why wedding parties were established so right. they could just be like hey hey we got this guy yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we got, this guy he's cool he's cool cat he's cool it totally won't do you wrong <laughs> exactly in the vernacular of time he's a cool cat yeah right. and uh, that is so interesting so he had to just like reach out to these people in such a kind of like intimate way yeah be like hey my parents aren't here, but right. But I'm sure. So were these other like uh, friends of his in the Assyrian community? Yeah. So everyone like kind of understood. Yeah, everyone knew each other, and it was, there was. I think there was there was 
There usually is, and in, in, in my dad's case, one's different. But there was definitely a. I'm not gonna say yes right away. I'm gonna have to ask around, and like my grandfather asked around and heard only good things. Man, and then was like, "All right, this this is fine." How nerve wracking! Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. I can't imagine. Yeah, um, and it worked, and then you know they got married, and and like my dad had to like. Sellers, I think he was driving like a Camaro. Like he had to sell his like Camaro, and he got like a uh, or he had a Firebird. He had a Pontiac Firebird. Oh my god! He sold that. He got, I think, like a like a Chrysler LeBaron or something like. I totally got a dad car. Your like, dad totally, like, was so cool. <laughs> yeah, I told you, yeah. But that's the coolest guy. Yeah, uh. yeah, yeah. And so it's it's not it's not hard to imagine why my mom said yes. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, um, and they like got a little apartment. And they did what I think everyone does, you know what I mean? Got an apartment, worked, saved up, got a house, worked, saved up, moved to the suburbs. <laughs> like, you right. know what I mean? Right. It had three kids. Totally like, common history. trajectory yeah. for, you know, current American life. Right. As well as. They just have better. very thick Middle Eastern accents, but otherwise they shop at Jewel and they. <laughs> Like, do everything that everyone else's parents do. How did they initially meet? Um, so I think it, the community is relatively small. So I think it was just literally one of the things where I think my dad saw her at some, like, event and was like, who's that? Yeah. And his friends were probably like, oh, you're never going to get her. Like, don't, <laughs> <laughs> don't even try. And then, you know what I mean? Like, That's amazing. Yeah. So, same kind of thing. That's kind of what I was getting at. It was like I knew it would probably be some kind of community, you know, based yeah. thing for Assyrian people in the yeah. area. Or the or... Assyrian, the, like the primary, the primary, like, place to gather or reasons to gather is always some sort of church event or wedding. Like, the church is, like, the town hall of yeah. the Assyrian I, I figured, like, I didn't want to assume, but I was like, they meet a church. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just because, you know, like you said, but even for that time, and even, I would say currently, it's still such a, like, it was the center for socializing. Like, yeah. it still is in your community and a lot of communities. Yeah. So it's not uncommon in the least. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, like, that's the thing. Like, literally, like, the church events or weddings are still, like, the, the biggest thing. Right. Like, like the biggest gatherings uh, of uh, Syrian communities. And it's funny because, like, the Syrian community, when you talk about it here is uh, in, in, like, I think what's a word called? Like, diaspora versus, like, in Iraq or in Syria is, like, you're just a Syrian. If you're a Syrian, you're a Syrian. But in Iraq, it's totally um, – there's different tribes. And they're, you're kind of separated. And they're locational. And they, they, they were separated by geographic, like, boundaries, rivers or mountains or whatever. And so these tribes all have different – slightly different um, – not languages, but uh, – Dialects? Dialects, yeah. Uh, and so different, different dialects, kind of different accents. Uh, they kind of – Things are different about how they do those traditional ceremonies. And so, like, for example, uh, Bella's dad, he's from a, a town. It's called uh, – I don't know how you'd say it in a not-Assyrian accent, which is another thing. Uh, Afterwards, I say – I can only say with that, like, Assyrian inflection. Yeah, right. I've never heard them other words. Yeah, right. Uh, but it's called uh, Kirkuk. I guess that's how you'd say it without this. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> 
And uh, yeah, so like every year they have a Kirkirk party and they all meet up in somewhere. It's either like in California or it's in Arizona or Toronto, the big the big four uh, cities of, of the Syrian population uh, in North America is uh, like, like Northern California, like San Francisco or Modesto, um, Phoenix or Tucson, Arizona, Chicago and Toronto. Wow, those are the big ones. So then there's like Detroit and other stuff, but yeah, those are the those are the big four. Do you think that's because those were like where people initially immigrated to? Mm-hmm. I figured if both of your parents had ended up in this area and like had you know the church and and those events kind of like already going on around them, it had to have been that there were like these hubs for a long time. Yeah, and yeah. that's what it is. And like it's funny because I've met like. Uh, in the church community, there are there are older, um, the older generation of Assyrians that are not immigrants, that are like second or third generation Americans, but they're Assyrian. And so you, you talk to them and, and now they're like all in like their 70s or 80s, but they're, they're like, they're the most like, when it comes to like English, well-spoken in English and they have no, no trace of an accent because English is their first language. Sure. But then they also seamlessly transition into Assyrian and you would not, you could not tell that these people like, like that they were, uh, hadn't had like, like several generations of like living here. Like it's right. so crazy. And right. like those, that, ge- those generations are the generations that kind of like created the foundations that created sure. the churches and, um, started the community and then almost like my parents generation came and filled it in saw that yeah. and was like okay i have something to attach myself to right even if i don't know anyone else kind of right. thing yeah it's Man. crazy and like there are little there like you said there are little there are big hubs and there are little hubs like we were like bella and i were just looking just to see like what's the community like in in nevada and like las vegas there's an assyrian church in in las vegas wow like why why there's probably yeah. like 10 assyrian people there but uh there's an assyrian church and that's how you tell that's how you tell if they're like that's the if there's a little of, cluster right if there's a cluster there's got to be a church Man. and because the church there are multiple churches but there is one main like a syrian orthodox church that i would say the majority of syrians um subscribe attend. to or yeah. attend yeah so like that's kind of like the main artery i think you would you would if you wanted to like i think it'd be really interesting to do would be to like just kind of see when these popped up and see the pop like just to see that flow map and see right. how things moved out because, yeah, that would be the main I the pillars. I am legit, you know, interested in what that would look like, Yeah, especially thinking about, you know, the people who set up those <laughs> four hubs. Right, and yeah. How long it took, you know, like was it the whole next generation of people before someone kind of like – set off on their own and moved to Las Vegas or whatever it was. Uh, And how quickly does it actually grow up in a new spot? Like, that's so interesting to me. Yeah, and for sure, for sure, like, even though, like, I I have have very strong memories of, like, when I was young and, like, knowing Chicago's, if not the largest, one of the largest um, groupings of uh, the Assyrian community in the States – there's it's still we're still very much like and weird we're like invisible or like unknown because like i remember like the challenge of me when i went to second grade i moved to we moved to skokie and so i was in a new school and i have this like vivid memory i was like what seven at the time of being in music class and the teacher introducing me to the class and she asked me like where my family was from like what and i said oh we're a syrian 
And she said, oh, great, they're Syrian. And I did not and correct her. it was her like the I'm first like, time that you had ever. It was like, oh, she's not familiar with that. And it wasn't like it wasn't like a negative experience. Like I didn't feel lesser or anything like that no. at all. She, and of course, you also have the you know you're also from like your dad uh, right. moved here from Syria, so right. it's like uh, yeah. we're really splitting here. <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, that's why I was like, all right, it's fine. <laughs> right, of it's course. Fine. So for yeah. the longest time, I was like, I'm just Syrian. Like if anyone asks, I'll say a Syrian, and if they hear Syrian, you just roll. That's fine. Yeah. And then in middle school, I'm like, should I start saying I'm Middle Eastern? Like, does that make it easier? And then like it totally didn't because people always <laughs> would always ask where, like what Middle Eastern. I'm like, all right. Well, this is going to be five minutes of explaining to you. <laughs> right. uh, and so, like, still, like, n- I think it's better now. Um, I don't know if it's just because there's been more discussion about it, just considering, like, the awful stuff that's happening. Uh, yeah. Um, but there's definitely there there's definitely more familiarity with people. And uh, I'm going to uh, make you kind of go through that five-minute spiel just for anyone who isn't uh, yeah. familiar. Yeah. Um, you know, because I'm sure – there, I absolutely would not, you know, understand all this stuff if I wasn't friends with you. And now, like, since then have met other Assyrian people. Yeah. I will absolutely admit that I would have been, like, you know, in over my head. So, yeah. So the uh, I would say the best way to explain the, the uh, Assyrian community. Because the thing, the thing is hard is there's no country to be like, this, right. this is Assyria. That's what we are. You know, right. that's who we are. And it's not like... Yeah, but you still right. have your own language and everything, right. so it's not... We're like, so what I tell people is, if they really want the explanation, is like, we're the indigenous people of Iraq. So like the equivalent of like Native Americans in North America, Assyrians are that in Iraq. And so there was once in Assyria, which was mostly in uh, northern Iraq, um, although obviously it it waxed and waned depending on the time period. It was a huge empire, is considered the first empire um we speak the language that jesus christ spoke which uh syrians are very happy to brag about of course um like when you watch passion of the christ i understand some of those words it's really cool oh wow yeah that uh, is cool yeah. i didn't realize that passion of the christ like used assyrian in it. yeah i think it's mostly in latin and aramaic is what is what it's called cool we just call it assyrian uh some people call it neo-aramaic it's like the difference of like modern English versus, English versus like Shakespearean yep. English or something like that. Like, totally makes sense. Yeah. And so like in church, you'll hear that version, you'll hear the older version and you won't understand what they're saying at all. Uh, <laughs> and you like, yeah. Uh, and that's another thing going, I, I, we recently started going to like a, a Catholic church, uh, in, um, like Rogers Park area. And, it's so different because I understand what everyone is saying. Hilarious. Yeah, and I speak Assyrian fluently, but you can't, it, unless you're old school, you don't know what those people are saying. That's uh, so funny. Well, it's similar in the Catholic Church, you know, depending on what right you're, yeah. uh, you know, using. So much of that stuff was in Latin. Right. Like there, I remember whole church services from when I was a kid where so much stuff was in Latin that I was like, uh, you lost me. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and those like, and so, um, Syrian churches are also cool in that they double as their Sunday schools, um, 
double as like Assyrian language classes. That's awesome. Yeah. So the some parents don't like it because then their kids aren't going to church. Church. They're kind of oh. downstairs learning classes. I'm all for that. They, yeah, they can come go to, on. If they want to, they'll have the rest of their life to go to church. But right. they're gonna, it's, it's going like to be. They're going to understand the stuff that they're learning in that. Right. Yeah. You know, tertiary class. So right. much more, and they're going to be able to apply it. And it's like once they get old enough. Right. And should they decide God. to go to church, then they'll kind of understand what's happening rather than just sit there and have no idea what's going on. Exactly. Yeah. As as uh, not really my own experience, but I absolutely have friends who. When they were introduced to church at too young an age, it just like scared them because yeah. they didn't understand what they were supposed to be getting yeah, you out alienate of. Alienate people. People don't. People. Yeah, exactly. People don't. You're not spiritual when you're five, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, and all you hear is like hell, and you know, <laughs> you're just stuck in an uncomfortable like button-up shirt all the way up to your neck, and <laughs> right. it's too hot, and you're bored. You want to <laughs> go play. And then, yeah. and then you hate Jesus, and that's, <laughs> that's, that's, and that's get, how we get yeah, here. That's, that's how you get heathens. Right, exactly. <laughs> Starting them too early. Right. So it's contrary. That is so funny. Well, thank you for uh, elucidating that, and I guess that makes a lot of sense as to why there would be so many different kind of uh, types of Assyrians in Iraq. Yeah. Um, and so did Bella's family uh, also— uh, immigrate. Well, is they she's first generation as well. Yeah. So she, yeah, she's a first generation Canadian. They, oh, dang. Yeah, they, so she even has a slightly different. Right. They went to Toronto. Wow. Yeah. One uh, of those four pillars. One of those four. <laughs> look, people, if, if you're going to get anything out of this, there's four cities you need to remember. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, those four people who went to Phoenix, yeah. they got the <laughs> asshole of this deal. <laughs> I know. Yeah, San no, Francisco, yeah. Toronto, Chicago, Brad Phoenix. Yeah, like, and it's not even, I'm sure there are great things about Phoenix, but out of those four, yeah. come on. Yeah, yeah, That's no. totally the short end of the stick. And I feel like they know it, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're the ones who started settling in, like, Las Vegas. Other places. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but it's funny because, like, Phoenix is, like, the place that, like, because there's so many – because it's a bit more chilly and obviously a lot of people from Chicago hate the weather. Mm. So Phoenix is, like, a pretty popular place that, that like – it's one of the four pillars for sure. It's definitely the smallest, but it's the most up and coming because people from Chicago are leaving. Yeah. Because it's cold yeah. and snowy and expensive. <laughs> and Phoenix is the opposite of all of those things. Girl, you are preaching to the <laughs> choir. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, All right, Phoenix, you yeah. got me there. <laughs> it's cold and expensive here. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so eventually they made their way from Toronto to this area. So they went from Toronto to um, South Carolina. And they were in South Carolina for a while. And that talk about a hub, there's no, they, they meant one, they found one other Syrian family, which is surprising that to even find them. And that was, that was like their extended family. Um, and of course, like every summer they'd go to Toronto and visit family and stuff. Sure. Yeah, but they were pretty starved for a community. Um, and then they moved to Chicago and they settled uh, for now, but they might move again to California in a few years. Um yeah, so she had, she has a super, Bella has, a, and her family have 
super interesting I get migration pattern. Trajectory, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, trajectory. I mean, anybody who got held captive in South Carolina for part of their lives. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll use that. I am sympathetic, and uh, you know, it helps me uh, plead ignorant too. <laughs> if there weren't any there, yeah. honestly, it took me a long time to meet Jewish people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There are no Jewish people there either, uh, at least where I was from. <laughs> Bella always talks. It's funny because like the the community that they got involved, the community that was most immediately welcoming and absorbed them was the black community. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Like, to, like they all have friends and they all like still have friends to this day that are from South Carolina that aren't Syrian. They're, they're African-American. They're black but they know so much about the Syrian culture. That's so cool. Yeah, because also another thing the Syrians do is just push their culture on other people. <laughs> it's one thing we like to do. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's super. That's it, great. I mean, it, it definitely tracks, you know, it's like one my, minority marginalized group, like looking <laughs> out for another one, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Uh, it, that doesn't really surprise me at all about, especially that like part of the country. Um, man, that's really cool that her experience is that much yeah. different uh, from yours. It's been really interesting for you to see your family uh, being like maintaining patriotism mm -hmm. like throughout yeah. this really like tumultuous uh, political time, right. especially like where immigrants are concerned right. directly. Yeah. What has your experience been like with that, I guess, and where your family is concerned? So I think the, the Syrian community is super interesting because it's clearly a, a community of um, immigrants. And mm -hmm. so they know, they know the value behind that, um, and they know how important it is. But once they come here, once they kind of like um, – get into America and become American and, and kind of like settle in. Assimilate. Yeah, assimilate. Some, yeah, yeah. Right. They become super protective too. And so there's, there are a lot of Assyrians who are very Republican and very conservative. And a lot of it matches with like their religion and uh, like what they like to hear. Yeah. And their social politics right. are aligned with some of the, right. you know, Republican parties. Yeah. and But I think the thing that, no, uh, no Assyrian that falls in that category will admit um, is that a lot of their politics, uh, especially not so much I think of the of the generation born here, but of the generation that came here, a lot of their politics is um, is rooted in fear. Mm. They're scared of what they came from, and they don't want that to come here, um, and they're scared of it happening here, and like. Like the one side is like, you know, I have, I have this, I have this Syrian American experience that is to me thoroughly American. Um, my mom and my dad probably have that experience, you know, have that experience too, but it's a step, it's a step in that, in the more extreme direction. And like, I did a, I did a scene about this, uh, when I was going through, uh, uh, house co at second city and the, I loved the scene and it, cause it's so true, but like my parents, talk like like nonchalantly about public executions that they witnessed as right. young yes. adults and children. Yeah. And like that's like 
And they just talk about it. They're like, oh, yeah, that was her neighbor. He was the nicest guy. Oh, they hung him. <laughs> like, like, or they hanged him. Like, yeah. They, they, and to them, like, it's just that's how it was. And yeah. They, it's that, you know, those 20 years of difference, man. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. That was not your childhood. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. where it was different. But, right. like, but it left a mark. And that's what they're afraid of. And so I think, like, they love this country and they just, like, they, I don't think they necessarily agree with, like, make America great again because they believe it is great and has always been great. But they do believe in don't let it not be great. Don't let it, don't let what you have slip through your fingers kind of a thing. So they're, I I would think they're, they're probably isolationists. They don't want us to get involved with anything else. Right. Right. Protectionist. Like they just, that is all incredibly understandable, you know, based on their, uh, like, history from where they immigrated from and just in general i can imagine like of course they don't want to be like involved in war-torn countries anymore yeah but it's it's super it's and and i say this with all love but it's kind of a hypocritical stand because like if that was the case if that was a stand that this country you love took when you were trying to come here you would not be here of course and i think they're aware of the irony and they they have they're deciding sh- do I ha- is it better to be a hypocrite or is it better to be safe and happy and like all this stuff and they're like I'll be a hypocrite that's fine I'm here close the doors you know what I mean like we're fine this is our spaceship we're good like interesting yeah Man. so it's well, definitely out of fear I thank you for you know addressing that so specifically and it's so interesting to me that like. Again, if you go back to the the group of conservative people who can't put like, you know, patriotism and uh, like uh, immigration in the same thought process, I feel like all of that is born out of fear as well. Right. Is basically the only, you know, point I wanted to bring it back around to is like that unfortunately isn't unique to their experience right. as Americans and as people who, you know, are trying to yeah. like vote and be aware of what they think is their own best interests. Yeah. And I think that's, I think like the thing that, the thing that they need to realize and the thing they just need to look at. And when I say they, I mean all the Assyrian communities, communities in general is need, you need to look at your trajectory where you came from and see how you came here and you did your best to, you know, you did the best for yourself, you did the best to raise your kids, and as a result, you did the best you could do for the country you're in. You know what I mean? You came here, you worked hard, you had kids, you know, my brother's a doctor, my sister's a lawyer. Like, you you, you added to the country that you love so much, and that's going to be true for other people that come here too. Um they're they're coming here to do the same thing. No one's coming here to exploit. No one's coming here to like just take from you. They're here to help too. They're here to they're they're actually here just to live their best life. And right. as a result, will help you live yours. For all of the same reasons that they fell in love with this country. Right. It's the same thing that keeps, you know, bringing people here. Right. Even as much as there are people fighting against that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a that's and I don't know. I mean, it, like countries, just from my perspective, like from my how I've lived my life and and what I've seen, countries seem to be an outdated like notion. Sure. You know what I mean? Like America's America, and 
I don't know when it stops being America, at like what distance it stops being America. Like Canada is America to me. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't care what anyone says. Like I've been to Canada. The, the flags look different, but it's the base. I can, I can get a Starbucks in every other corner and like when I go somewhere and I say, hey, can I get a Coke or a Diet Coke? They know what I'm saying. So like, right. I don't know where it stops uh, and I don't know how you protect the imaginary line. You know what I mean? And yeah. like, it, there was no internet when my parents were growing up and my mom could still sing like every line to any Beatles song and she knew about it. Like that's American or I mean, Western, <laughs> British. Sure, sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, and like, yeah, my dad watched every Clint Eastwood movie, every John Wayne movie. Like that's American. Like you don't, there's no, the lines are blurred at this point. You know what I mean? You're protecting, you're not, you can't really protect an area on a map. You can protect like your culture, but you do that kind of by continuing it by, by utilizing it, by growing it. I definitely feel like that's where my kind of, uh, existential thoughts on patriotism often land is I go, well, but I didn't choose to live here. Right. Like, sure, it does have, it kind of goes back to what you were saying before of your generation, you know, the first generation not really being able to have any context for right. uh, the America that they live in. Right. And I absolutely feel that way. It's just like, yeah, but, uh, there is stuff that could be better, so why wouldn't we be trying to fix it? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, th- I think when I think basically what should happen is anytime you're born, you're not a citizen of anywhere, and then when you when you turn 18, you have to create your Gmail account, and then you also <laughs> have to pick a country to be a citizen of, and you don't move or anything. You can live in like because I would have picked like Japan or something. Like, that's all. Like Japan seems so cool to me. Like right, you can and you, I'd still live here. Like. I'm a I'm a Japanese Assyrian living in Chicago. Uh, like it just seems like that's what it is now. Like uh-huh. and that's how it should be. Like imagine if everyone, everyone in the world got to pick a country, and then everyone just picked America because it seems to be like the. The most popular choice, and for a lot of obvious reasons, and and we're all because Americans. our our music and our movies, like I said, are just like a disease for right. everywhere else. Exactly, <laughs> that's why. Right, and then there would be no one. There would be no wars because who would we be trying to invade? We would be America everywhere. Everywhere is America. I I definitely. It's so funny that uh, t- it cycles back to like not forcing anything on people when they're kids right in the same way that it's like well yeah if kids want to go upstairs and go to church once they get old enough cool <laughs> they great but if not maybe we don't like i yeah. feel like that is such a radical thing for free both you and i to yeah. feel about like uh about you know having families and kids uh but especially you as the first generation uh i'm sure you know, the generation before you would just be like, no, everyone (laughs) has to go to church. Everyone has to be, what are you talking about? Like, (laughs) Oh yeah. If my parents heard this podcast, no, no, you're sending your, you're sending your kids to church. They're going to church. They're going to go. They're going to go to church. They're going to be Americans. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. They're also going to learn Assyrian and be fluent in Assyrian. 
That was uh, another thing I was going to mention earlier is that you said that, you know, the people who are second or third generation immigrants, they still are fluent in oh, Assyrian, yeah. even if it wasn't their first language. Yeah. Do you oh, think yeah. that's pretty common, like, that parents will teach English as the first language and Assyrian as a second or? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, so for me it was different. I never went to, my parents were pretty laid back. They, I was the third kid. And I was younger by six years. So my parents never uh, took me to Sunday school to learn Assyrian. I, everything I learned, uh, I learned just at, in home. Because at home you speak um, you speak Assyrian pretty exclusively. Um, but for sure, there's an expectation that you go and, and you learn English. You go to school, you learn English in school. You come home, you learn Assyrian at home. That's exactly. Uh, Vernon Mina is first generation Hun. Duran, I believe, yeah. and uh, that's how he and his wife have chosen to raise their son as well. Yeah. Is uh, you know, at school, obviously, he's learning English, and they keep it all Spanish in their house. And he was like, you know, that was a choice I had to make. Like, does it mean that he's a little behind in English? Maybe, but at some point, he'll be totally fluent in both, and yeah. it'll be great. But you know, also, yeah, but also absolutely not because. You turn on the TV, you, you go on YouTube. Or it whatever. doesn't take work, right? Right. They're gonna learn both if you do it that way. That's and really, that's a really good point. Yeah, they're and basically getting full English immersion, and right. all you can do to get another language in there is like, right. Speak come on, well, yeah, just like do it. Come on, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's how I learned. Like, I don't know how to. I unfortunately don't know how to read and write here, and I really, really want to. Um, but that's like they also have classes because that's like a thing. It's not uncommon for people my age uh, to not know how to read or write a serial. So they now have like adult courses. Sure. Like there's a lot. Like I went to, I was fortunate. There's something called like the Assyrian, Assyrian like something foundation. I, I never heard of it before. Um, it's super cool. You go in there and it's like a museum of like Assyrian stuff. And like it's really interesting. Um, but then it's just like this organization, like an outreach organization. And they do a lot of stuff for anyone. Like, it's not like a Syrian specific. They outreach to anyone who needs help. Like, there's like home care services for the elderly. There's all this stuff. Um, so it kind of, it sounds like a, like a kind of organized space like a church, but like without the, without the religion religious aspect. aspect. Yeah, it's the cultural aspect. And it just... I think I, I don't know, like I don't know what their mission statement is or anything like that. But I, what I imagine is, is just to improve the community that uh, that we live in, and to to basically again try to better the country we live in, better the communities we live in. Um, it's a Syrian base. Everyone that, everyone that works there is a Syrian, but again, the people that receive the services are not exclusively a Syrian, um, and it's just like an effort to, and, it's, and that's a lot of first generation Syrian people that it's just an effort to give it back to a country that they're like, this country's done like everything for us. That's it's awesome. super cool. It's the coolest. That's very cool. Um, and then have you ever been to the Oriental Institute uh, Museum? Uh-uh. That's what it's called. It's part of, I think, UIC. It's downtown. There's an Assyrian wing bull in there. Like it's, an, it's, an, a, whole, it's a whole Middle Eastern, and it's, uh, I think there's a specific Assyrian segment uh, of the museum. It's pretty small. Cool. But it's the coolest. Yeah. That's awesome. If you ever want to go there and learn about – uh, Assyrian history and Assyrian culture. It's super cool. And I think they host like Assyrian cooking classes. Uh, I think that's a more recent thing. I've seen like YouTube videos. It's so cool. It's like the coolest thing. And like you see the classes are just full of white people. It's the coolest thing. That's the best. Yeah, yeah. It's really, really cool. Do you ever feel kind of torn between 
you know, having a completely American upbringing with like the Assyrian culture being like kind of rooting it all Mm -hmm. and like in your family and your church and, you know, knowing that there's still a lot of Assyrian culture uh, in like in Assyrian people and communities in places that like absolutely need help and like don't have the uh, like resources or like ingenuity to be able to immigrate and like have better lives. Yeah. Yeah. I think like, I don't know. It's like, it's hard to feel guilty about where you're fortunate enough to be born. You know what I mean? Like, Like I'm super grateful for the sacrifices of my parents. Yeah. And I'm super bummed that there are people living in the same city and living uh, in a different continent that are not able to live the same quality of life that I live. It bums me out for sure. And like, um, you know, I did that. I think, I think, I think you actually donated to, I did that like a Syrian, uh, um, like relief, um, fund on Facebook. And I Mm -hmm. try to do that whenever I can. I donate clothes and donate stuff whenever I can. Um, it's one of those things. I think the the thing that really bothers me about it is, uh, it's so awful and it's so large and the the ratio of bad to attention is not is not where I'd like it to be, I guess. Yeah. Um, that's that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's kind of where my question comes from. And he did a, a you know, the very smart thing to uh, point out that it's like it's not like we're all just sitting here, you know, happy and fed and right. <laughs> homed, but it's like, you know, there's Americans who have bad lives too. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like you have a unique experience for like having uh ties to a Syrian like people in other countries. Yeah. But I only know through, like I said before, being friends with you about, you know, how, like you said, those those numbers, the, like, it's really wild that there isn't yeah. more I mean, media it's, it's, attention. It's it's totally like, I like, genocide's a weird political term. I mean, it's accurate, but it's a weird political term. It's, it's, a, it's like an extinction that's happening. And that's like a thing, that's the thing that keeps me up at night is like, what's going on there with like ISIS and stuff. It's not just enough that they're murdering all these people, but there's a cultural extinction that's happening. Like the thing that like, like when I hear about this stuff, I get sad and like I cry. The thing that like, it sounds bad because not to like, the thing that hurts me the most is seeing like all the, all, like there's like museum, like the Iraqi museum and all stuff where they like go in and they destroy all these ancient artifacts, like there were wing bull, there's an there's an Assyrian wing bull in Chicago. There's a couple, I think, in London, and it's great to have them. They had to disassemble that they're, like, them. Though. Preserves. Yeah, they had to disassemble them. So they're in like four pieces. They put them back together, but you can see but like still. where they were. Yeah, exactly. So the last remaining ones that were never disassembled were destroyed. They were blown up in Iraq, and, and that's exactly. You know, I've I've read about that stuff, and I'm more aware of it. Because you've given it more of a voice and a platform, yeah, and it is really stunning to like read about, and uh, I don't blame you at all for feeling, you know, like obviously <laughs> genocide and extinction uh, is terribly, you know, depressing and sad, and and feels, you know, so like insurmountable from yeah from so far away and so far removed from it. But I, I'm. 
yeah. totally understand the feeling of like seeing all that stuff just be completely eradicated and destroyed. Because it's one of those things where like you can you can kill every Assyrian person in the world, but as long as like those things exist, our culture lives on in some way. You know what I mean? But to like destroy that is to erase like a large segment of hu- human history and human, the human experience. And like the Assyrian empire, I think was like, if like, was like one of the longest uh, running empires ever, if not the longest, like, like we talk about, like, I don't know, like America's been around for like 250 years, something like that. And even the British empires was for, I don't know how many years, Man. but like, I think like the span of the, the Syrian Empire was like, like I don't I don't know the exact numbers, but I think it was like 800 BC or something like that to like 180. It was like an 800 year empire, at, like yeah. at its peak. Like when the I'm a super Assyrian history nerd, but like <laughs> at, the, at the the Syrian Empire collapsed at its peak. Wow! Like it wasn't like it slowly like not like the Roman Empire like slowly declined all stuff. Yeah. It literally like it was a. Just like the perfect storm of like the right amount of countries revolting in the right amount of time and the wow. right amount of like that it just went, it was like most powerful empire gone and wow. like there's like um, I think it's like Herodotus or some Greek historian who was like at like the like walls of the Assyrian capital was Ninway he was at the walls of Ninway and he's like looking at these buildings that at his time they had no idea how to create. Because, you know, every wow. time every time Empire starts over, you kind of lose that technology. You right. Lose, so he's looking at these, like, giant walls and having, like, who created these? And the people that lived there had no idea wow. where, who those belonged to. They, like, attributed them to the wrong uh, group of people. Wow. Like, that's how, that's how fast the Empire was wiped out. Yeah. And so since then, the Assyrian people have been kind of just like <laughs> like keeping keeping up like living along and like yeah um living in these like mountain areas and kind of isolated and like disparate little right and they they played a big role in uh World War 1 and World War 2 they were part of um the British uh um army and there was a lot of like promise of like we're gonna give you your country we're gonna and then of course uh, the Brits never do what they say. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they may have been around for a colonizers. few hundred years, but <laughs> right, they didn't, they, didn't, they didn't. What do they have now? Just a little island? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stupid jerks. Uh, no, but they, uh, then um, uh, that's interesting too. Bella's uh, grandfather. Uh, Bella, yeah, Bella's grandfather. He he passed away. I never got to meet him, but he is a uh, a figure of like great importance in the Assyrian community because he was a higher up in the Br- British military. He had like uh, they named like Assyrians named their generals by like the amount of troops underneath them. Like you know, like general of a hundred troops, general of five hundred troops. Wow. And I don't know the number, but because. Because I don't actually know what the number is in English, but huh. he, uh, he, like, I, I, I knew about Bella's grandfather before I knew Bella. Holy crap! Yeah, 
that's how like yeah um, known he is right among yeah. Assyrians. Yeah. So wow. Uh, when I told my parents like, oh yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm going See? out the daughter of this guy. They're like, oh wow, like like it's really impressive. And That's so, amazing. Yeah, well, like it's not. I, what made him so revered in the Assyrian community wasn't that he. There were plenty of Assyrians who uh, uh, played in the... large roles in the British military, but he was like generally when the war when the wars were over, they were given an opportunity to relocate to like London and continue their career and. When they didn't do that, when they're like, no, this is my community, I have to stay here and, like, be a leader to this, that's when they wow. they became that, like, you know. So it's like the war hero returned home right, kind exactly. of story. Never, he never he never left. He never right. left his people. He was given the opportunity, but he stayed to lead his people. Wow. Um, and that's when they become, yeah. That, that's like, awesome. I mean, it makes sense for that for that community and even to have that history as a people is like yeah. if you stay and keep building that's the thing that's like yeah thank you yeah. <laughs> like we are going to remember you yeah <laughs> it, it, it's so cool it's uh like i haven't seen them but her uncle has like all his medals wow. has a letter uh from uh the king uh I don't know. Is the king from the, the king's speech? No way. King, yeah. Oh uh, god. Uh <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna call him the King Speech King. <laughs> uh, That's amazing. Yeah, he wrote he wrote him a letter, and like he was an honorary I don't some some honorary like protector of the realm or something like right. that. And it's the coolest thing ever. That is awesome. Yeah. In this, you know, got like a cool commendation right, from exactly. straight up from uh, King George the Sixth because yeah. I looked it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the thing, like, that's the thing, Assyrian, uh, the Assyrian communities had, uh, traces a lot of history back, uh, obviously, with the, the British Empire. Uh, in Australia, outside of the States, Australia is also a huge hub of, or outside of North America, Australia is a huge hub of, uh, um, the Assyrian diaspora, and uh, they have they're doing a lot of good work there. Um, obviously, based out of the church, but like our our like bishop there um, was like added a, like he was given the highest honor an Australian could be given because um, if you're not British, you can't actually be like knighted. I think right, right. So he was given like the highest honor an Australian could be given as a subject of the queen uh-huh. and he, like they have an Assyrian college there. Wow. Yeah. And like the community there is, is really big and really strong. And, um, yeah, it's super cool to just to see, like I have family and I have family in, from my mom's side, I have family in Sweden. Bella has family in every country. In really? Europe. Yeah. In every country in Europe. Uh, her, uh, I think it's her, her best friend's husband, his like, his uncle works in Italy, and he is like a main engineer for for um, the city that's that's all canals. And oh, Venice. Venice, yeah. And so a lot of those buildings require like uh, structures that kind of keep them afloat and keep them not like yeah. collapsing. And he's a main architect and engineer. Wild. For, yeah. Yeah. So like a main architect and engineer for probably the city where it's the most important. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's, yeah. Uh, Bella has an aunt who's like lives in a monastery in uh, I want to say like either in Italy or in in Spain, one of those two countries. And like, yeah, it, it's so cool. And to meet these people, 
and not be able to speak English with him at all, but be able to speak Assyrian with him. Man, I didn't even think about that. Is the coolest thing. It's like having a secret decoder ring, like, with anyone. That's amazing. I am, like, slack-jawed. That's amazing. Yeah. Of course, that would feel so surreal. It's yeah. just, you're like, oh, like, you just flip-flopping from Italian to Assyrian, but I got you <laughs> right. right away. Exactly. Wow, yeah. fascinating. We had family. A secret decoder ring. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, we had family visited from Sweden, and, and like, yeah, I had to only speak to him in Assyrian. Right. Don't know but English. it didn't matter in the right. long It didn't matter. It took, like, a second, and, yeah, and to hear, like, to hear Assyrian people speak Assyrian with British accents blows my mind. I bet that's hear. awesome. Yeah, it's the coolest thing. Yeah. Because uh, you've only ever heard those accents in English. Right. So it feels like. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard uh, Chicago accents. Right. <laughs> Chicago Syrian accents. Right. That's oh, hilarious. Yeah. It's really cool. That is really, that's like kind of mind-blowingly like cool and special, I would think. Yeah. Uh, it's like. The rebellion is still alive. <laughs> That's like the only thing I could think of. Yeah. It's um, the coolest thing. That's why it's so important to me, like, to make sure, you know, if I have kids, that they learn that. I I totally understand. That's like, I wish I like had it. that kind of culture to be able to impart to my kids. My, you do, though. You totally yeah, do. For sure. For sure. I'll teach them how to. Uh, talk to all the people they meet in the South. <laughs> uh, do you feel like there's anything that you would absolutely be remiss to not mention as a part of this conversation? I just think that um, if you don't know an Assyrian person, you should, and you live in one of those four pillars for sure, you should try and meet some. They're pretty cool. Um, they're just like you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think is the big takeaway. Right. But I don't think so. I mean, I could hear and talk about this forever uh, because it's just my life and my experience. And Of course. Um, it It's super cool to me um, to, to, yeah, to be able to have this connection with uh, these people and this culture and like this, yeah, this ancient culture. And it's a, it's a cool filter to have. Your wedding, I will just <laughs> never forget. Yeah. I mean, it was it was so amazing to get to experience that, you know, with our friends and uh, to, like, not really know what was going, <laughs> was on, going on when, like, hundreds of other people in the room all knew what was going on, you know? Barely. Barely. But <laughs> barely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do yeah. you think there's something to those different, like, because they're slightly different um, uh, sects of like Assyrians, they're the customs that you were doing. Everyone had to kind of like figure it out as they went so along. So we we because there's the thing that's funny. It's funny that you bring that up because the the um, the segment that my dad is. Um, they're the worst for when it comes to weddings because their tradition, and we didn't do this. Like, Bella was like, absolutely not. And I was also like, absolutely not. This is Hilarious. not what I do. But they're like, they wear these for lack of, think of like a Middle Eastern Robin Hood getup. <laughs> like, pointy hat, feather in your hat. That's like the traditional, like, 
like garb of uh, a Syrian wedding for that segment. And then you go and you, you, you line dance. You got to like, I had that like cane, but there's like, there's like a, a sword in that case. And like, it's just the goofiest. And you, is... you could hire like a group of dancers who are all just like that to go do that. And we were like, no, absolutely not. That's <laughs> not happening. No so, madrigals at right. our wedding. So, <laughs> exactly. So the, uh, the version you saw, I think is the, most generic Assyrian wedding you can okay. have. Like this is the, this will cross, uh, this will hit the box off of every. Everyone will have something that they're like, yes, yeah. that is what we, we do at our we weddings. We all agree with this. Right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's none of that other stuff. We didn't want anyone to roll their eyes because like, yeah, if you're not part of that segment, it's absurd to you. It's it's more absurd to you than it would be to a white person. Like it is crazy. That's like, that is crazy. Yeah. yeah. Man, that is so wild. I'm glad I specifically asked about it because the thought came to mind when you started talking about how disparate the different groups can be, I was yeah. like, oh, man, I wonder, like, how that factored into yeah. what you guys did for I your mean, wedding. I mean, you guys didn't even see the most, the, the craziest part um, happens at the houses. Um, there's, like, the the leaving of the groom and the, the big ones, the leaving of the bride. It's uh, called pleted kadu, which literally means, like, the exiting of the bride. And when you do that, you have a a drum and horn player play. And when I say like a drum and horn player, I don't mean like a little snare drum. I mean like a giant drum, like a war drum, like yes. outside your house and then dun, 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 dun. Like blocks, like we had to go and tell all our neighbors in like a two block radius that this is going to happen. Like, and then like a loud whining, like <laughs> like that playing nonstop. And fortunately for me, it was like, 20 minutes of that and then we left we're like oh but there at the at the bride's house at uh, my in-law's house Uh they're there for like an hour and a half because everyone's dancing to it and it's like a little bit of like a barbecue outside like it's a big celebration and then my dad has to come in and he has to like basically this is this would be the time that you would give the goat for the bride and so he would like now it's traditional of course sure you do like symbolic things yeah and he comes in like it's really funny it's like my favorite part of the of the um, wedding video, but like he goes to take Bella out and they're leaving. And then uh, my brother-in-law stops and goes, Nope, nope, you have to like pay up. And so my dad's like totally hamming to the crowd, but he's like, All right, I got like 20 bucks on me. And he's like, Or $20, she's a grad student, she has her master's degree. And my dad's like, All right, $200. And then I'm like, No, like, and basically have to ham it up. And like, once the crowd's like, Yeah, then they're like, Obviously, that money goes to the couple, but like, he gives that money. And then we're all like, Yeah, and then we leave and everyone celebrates. But that is hysterical. It's an auction that happens. And And everyone's like, whoa, like (laughs) elbows in sides. Like, oh, that's the best. I love it. That's hilarious. And I love how you guys are kind of able to like, you know, make it your own thing, even though it's like, yeah, we're still going to have the drum and the the horn guy. (laughs) Once everyone, uh, once all the, the drums and stuff, left my house to go to Bella's house and we were kind of waiting um, to go to the church. Uh, me and all my groomsmen played fisticuffs. Yes! <laughs> played, That's like, amazing! Yeah, I have, like, pictures of me using that. I feel like I've seen some of the pictures of yeah. that. I mean, talk about making it into your own uh, tradition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is oh, so delightful. I mean, there was a ton of dancing 
at like I feel like you know Americans like uh, like uh, Christian like American weddings. People think that like the reception really like cuts a rug and people really let loose and dance. You have not been to this <laughs> shit. Yeah, it's the like singer. I hope you got a bite of food because you're about to dance for <laughs> hours. Well, at one point, I went into like I went into the back room uh, where like the the changing room, basically, like, where the the groom and bride each had one. And I went in there, and one of my one of my uh, groomsmen was in there, and he just looked exhausted. <laughs> and I was like, I know, and like I took my jacket off, I sat down, and uh-huh. over like the next like three minutes. Each one of my groomsmen came in one at a time. We all just like sat there. We like finished a pitcher of water. We had like some like I think we had hummus. Like I think we had some hummus. Classic. Yeah, and they were like, "All right, let's do this. Let's go back out there." That's amazing. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that singer. That singer was like really good. A really good Assyrian singer. He sang for like when we watched the wedding video. From the moment, like, everyone entered to, like, the dancing around the entire room and then getting to the cake and cutting it. And then I thought that was going to be it. I thought once you cut the cake, you kind of just get – but there was still right. more dancing. Yeah. He sang for, like, 45 minutes time. straight. It's wild. Then there was a couple of speeches. Like, the dads gave their speech. The best man uh, and uh, the maid of honor gave their speech. And then he sang for, like, three hours straight. It was truly, like, <laughs> I could not believe it. Yeah. I could really not good. believe, like – how long everyone like played and sang and danced? I was just like, man, yeah. like stamina. <laughs> yeah. and I, I don't know if you guys see it to the end, but the uh, the traditional uh, and I, this this is where you see where the American or at least the English impacts. So there's a song at the end you play when the literally when it's like no one there but like family and like everyone's gone and like the bar has been closed for some time and like right. the song is it goes like this. Bye bye, Michael. Bye bye, bye bye, Arbella. Bye bye, and it's just that for like five minutes as you walk out. I don't think we were there for no, that, that long. Was like, like I said, it's like the very yeah, very end. sending everybody out. Yeah, it's so oh, funny. That is, I didn't know that because I never seen it. Uh, uh, <laughs> you never met anyone like, else. What is this? Why is he saying bye bye to us? There was like that's what they always do. Don't yeah, that's you know? what they always do. Yeah, hilarious. Was like, yeah, it was super funny and it was so good. And that, it literally, that, so that guy was singing the entire wedding. It yeah, that There's is no DJs. amazing. There's no recorded music. Full live band and singing for like four hours. Crazy. Yeah. How do you feel like your uh, life as a first gen? immigrant to the U.S. has influenced you creatively and kind of in general as a, a bow-tying, you know, uh, <laughs> statement. <laughs> yeah. I think, well, as an improviser, as an actor, as a writer of comedy, I think the best work I've done has been when I fully embraced that. Uh, when I When I try to do anything else, you know, I'm happy with it, but it's, it's, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta create the thing that only you can create. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's why I, that's why I love talking about it. And that's why I love writing about it. And cause that's, that's the perspective I bring. That's my unique, I mean, it's not even a unique first generation perspective. It's a unique Mike Janda perspective because Bella's is very different. Totally. And, you know, my brother's was even very different than mine. My sister's very different than mine. Um, yeah. So you just create you. 
Yeah. Great way you know. That makes perfect sense. And I think is like such a good message for any creative people. It's just like, even if you don't feel like you have like this one big grand uh, life experience, like you still had something that made it yours. Yeah. You, you, there was someone in your life that no one else had. There was something you did that no one else did. I mean, you don't, you could be, you could have been born in, I don't know, like you could have been born in New York and have the typical New Yorker story, but no one's, no one's mom was your mom or no one's dad was your dad. And those are the most interesting characters you could write about. You know what I mean? Like, sure. Yeah. That's how it is. Like you write about your life and then it'll be fantastic. I couldn't agree with you more. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute joy to get to talk to you about. I love you, Janda. I I love you. Thank you. This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com slash nerdalogs to donate today. And go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.